up, everybody? Welcome into the How Not to Be a Youth Pastor podcast. Your two favorite youth pastors, Kyle and Derek, back for episode 32, talking about how not to be a kids pastor. Was it ever a question that we were their favorite? Uh, no, probably not. Uh, I have to assume any anybody listening who's not affiliated with us in any way, they have another youth pastor of their own. Yep. Uh, by now, we've usurped other youth pastors. Naturally. In yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. After 30, if you've listened to all 32 episodes and we're not your favorite, something's wrong with you. We did find out that we have some listeners in South Africa. Yes. Which... Uh, Shouldn't come as a surprise. We knew that this was destined to go global. This was going to take off. Yeah, uh, absolutely. But it's an honor. Yeah. Uh, bonjour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do they that. not speak French in <laughs> South Africa? We do have some people from the Netherlands as well and Germany. 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 Bonjour. Yeah. Well, close. Close. You're at least you're in the right continent this time. Huh. What do they speak in South Africa? I don't know. I think there's actually, I think it's predominantly English, I want to say. Oh, well then, hello. <laughs> I could be I could be completely wrong. Quick question of the day, Kyle. Yeah. Um, what language do they speak in South Africa? Uh, the primary language in South Africa is Zulu. Uh, so <laughs> I believe the pronunciation of hello in Zulu is Saubano. Saubana. Wow. Saubon, Saubana. How about you let Google say it for us because you're sounding wrong. Uh, well, I am not currently equipped on my computer to audibly hear oh, naturally. Uh, Google Translate let's, because our let's microphones see, let's are see plugged if into I can there. do it now that we've so, completely uh, gotten <laughs> off topic, which is, you know, just par for the course on how not to be a youth yes, pastor obviously. podcast. Hello in Zulu. Yes. Z-U-L-U. Like Hulu with a Z. That's a good word association. Oh, whoops. No, <laughs> we, we knew how to say hello in English, yes. Oh, Google, Google didn't even know how to do it. Google oh, is, well, that's disappointing. I'd say. Oh, yeah, it does. I just thought it wasn't letting me hit it because uh, our microphones are plugged in, but it does say voice output isn't available for Zulu. So Interesting. Uh, listeners, if we could uh, get some help on Zulu pronunciation, especially our South African listeners, uh, it'd be much appreciated because you guys are good friends of the show and we want to uh, do you right by by your native language. Yes. Um, but we also assume that if they're listening to this podcast, they do speak English. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Or or they have a really good translation program. That's possible. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to discount no. the technology in South Africa, but I'm just going to go ahead and assume people, that people they speak People are going to think we're completely making it up that we have listeners from South Africa, but- No, we our, really do. We really do. Yeah. It was kind of crazy. We will post uh, a screenshot of our proof on our fictional uh, company <laughs> yeah. Instagram account. Yeah. Well, we're, we're, not, we're not giving any credence to the fact that this is actually happening with our fictional Instagram accounts. And the yeah, rest that's of it. true. But this is going downhill really quickly. Anyway, This went downhill about four uh, minutes ago. <laughs> uh, so we are today going to be talking about uh, bridging the gap between kids ministry and youth ministry, and then also bridging the gap between youth ministry and whatever is next for your students. I think uh, kids pastors and youth pastors alike can share in uh, the fact that every single member of your congregation is going to leave your congregation in a finite amount of time. Yes. Uh, for some youth pastors and students, that is a great thing. They're really looking forward to it. Uh, and for other youth pastors, they've got students that they hope never leave. Yep. Um, but uh, that's what happens, you know, for, for youth pastors – at the maximum, you've got a student for six or seven years, depending on yep. how your school system is set up. And so uh, transitions on both end, students transitioning into your ministry as you know middle school students, or if you are a high school pastor transitioning in as high school students, or on the other end, if they when they graduate high school uh, and whatever is next in their life, we want to make sure that we're stewarding that transition well on both ends as youth pastors. And so that's what we're here to talk about today. It's critical. I mean, it really is, is if you don't do that transition well, either they're going to come into your ministry completely shaken up, unsure of what to expect. But 
I would dare say the the scarier transition is out just because Oh, for sure. You know, I I was going to look up the stats at some point, but the stats are staggering of the the belief system of faith as it pertains to a high school student versus like a first year's college student is is crazy. I mean, there's a significant drop off of people go out into the world, they go to college, they start to think for themselves and a lot of those belief systems can disintegrate really, really fast. And it's all the more prevalent for us as youth pastors to really kind of help them be set up for success by having a good support system and transitioning out. But again, both are very, very critical in their own right. Yeah. So we're going to start uh, on the kid side because that's where our students start. Uh, imagine that. And so uh, I, I have spoken to quite a few kids pastors over the years and you know this sounds weird but the sentiment among kids ministry is that uh and I'm going to use I I think Derek and I our school systems run the same where the transition is from fifth grade to sixth grade. Correct. Uh, you know, for us, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade is middle school. Uh, different. There's a school district almost adjacent to Derek's that is. Uh, I don't actually know how far Princeton is from you guys, but <laughs> adjacent uh, would be. It's like forty minutes, probably. <laughs> About 30. Okay, that's yeah. not bad. No. Uh, but their, theirs is 7, 8, 9, and then 10, 11, 12. It's a, it's a different setup. And so depending on where you're at, it could be a different transition point. But for us, we're going to be using sixth grade as that transition into youth ministry. And I've spoken to a lot of kids pastors that say, uh, if, if your kids are a little bit bored and ready to leave in fifth grade, that that's a signal that you've done your job well. Yeah. Uh, and right. that those kids are exactly like, they want to get into youth ministry because they're ready for what's next. Uh, that's, that's a good indicator that you're doing something right as a kid's pastor. Do you think there are youth ministries out there that start at fifth grade? I mean, I'm sure they, uh, you know, I'm sure there's, I don't you know. know. Few, it's, but, it's possible. Yeah. That's, I mean, it seems, it feels early. I, I have to imagine that if you're starting a that next aged ministry at, in fifth grade, it's maybe a five through eight, I would agree. Uh, mm-hmm. five through twelve, all in one ministry. Oof, yeah. uh, uh, you know, unless that's just the reality of the size of church you're at in a, in like a really small context. Uh, it, but I mean, even then, it's got to be pretty difficult. That's a challenge, absolutely. And I would say that six through twelve is already a challenge. Right now, I would say I think that's why a lot of people start at seven, just because. Yeah. You know, there, there is, it's amazing to me, the, the jump that you have in, in, in those fifth, sixth, seventh grade, the, the social maturity, the emotional maturity, I don't mean maturity in a negative sense, but just a matter of fact, psychological, biological sense. There is a big, a lot of big changes happening in those years. And, you know, I think as you talk about bridging that gap, you as a youth pastor need to have the proper perception of those students. You know, you can't, you can't expect your incoming sixth graders to be at a level intellectually as some of your juniors or seniors, which is not a dig against your, your younger students. It's just a matter of fact of their brain is in a much different state. And so, you know, there, it, it, it creates this dynamic for you as a youth pastor that which again is giving relevance to the fact that you need to help bridge that gap well, because when you have that student stepping out of kids ministry into youth ministry, that is a transition. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, how do you do it? You know, how do you do it well? Because you can do it wrong really easily. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. And I think that there, there's a lot of ways to do it wrong. Hopefully uh, the two ways that we do it are not on that list. Yeah. You know, parents, are, are an important part of that equation, uh, you know, starting to build relationships. And I think there's, there's some, there's some, uh, parts of me that wish that we could just do, uh, you know, every single grade is its own ministry sometimes because of how big the, the gap is, uh, between some of them. But when it comes down to it, there, there are a lot of benefits to, you know, having middle schoolers and high schoolers together for some things. There's a lot of benefits to have all grades in middle school together for some things. And so as kids transition in, I think that figuring out how to make it not scary is important. Uh, help them to build some relationships 
and and that will carry them a long way and uh, get the parents on board are, are kind of the three big things. And so what we're going to do today is I'll share real quick uh, kind of what we do uh, with with our kids and, and that transition from kids ministry to youth ministry. And, and Derek can share some of his thoughts as well. Uh, and then we'll kind of go from there. We have uh, a phenomenal kids pastor here, Pastor Scott, good friend of the show. Good friend of the show and, and a frequent... Um, pest to recording i would say he he, he loves, absolutely he His, loves to come and eavesdrop and like there was one point we were recording here and he had gathered a like baby doll yes and put it in the window of your office mm-hmm. just to you know cause he, a distraction. he has the office next to mine yep and uh he doesn't let me forget it uh, so <laughs> to yeah. be fair you did quite literally sheetrock the man's door closed once. Like yes, you. I did. No regrets. <laughs> uh, we, we did have a really beautiful back and forth, um, prank relationship for a long time. And then, uh, I went so big, he couldn't top it and it stopped. <laughs> uh, and you feel like a champion. Yes, I do. Uh, but no, pastor Scott does, they do some phenomenal things with our kids ministry here at Riverdale and uh, you know, we're, I'm really grateful for, for what they're doing. And so our transition starts with, um, actually it starts with a couple appearances, uh, in the kids church services on Sunday mornings, uh, especially throughout the summer. Uh, I do not have a consistent responsibility on Sunday mornings throughout the summer. And so I usually about once a month, I'll try to get into kids church and bring some middle schoolers or high schoolers with me and just lead a game uh, in order to, for kids to see, uh, oh, that's the, that's the youth pastor. And so, you know, especially the fourth and fifth graders, uh, they get a chance to see that's, that's, that's pastor Kyle. I'm going to be in his ministry in a couple of years. Um, but really the transition starts for us with what we call our crossover event. And, and, and we have, uh, the incoming sixth grade class, uh, it usually takes place at the beginning of the summer, incoming sixth grade class and their parents come. We'll, we like to do like a cookout or a barbecue or something. Uh, and I will come with some of my leaders and some of our current middle school students and the, the kids and our leaders, uh, we'll all eat, and then the kids and our leaders will will have some games and activities that they'll do together, and then it'll give me an opportunity to talk to the parents and share our vision with our youth ministry. I treat all of the parents as brand new youth parents, even though some of them, if the kids have older siblings, they may have listened to this all before, and they may be very familiar with our ministry. Uh, I've got a couple that volunteers for us and they have a daughter that's going to be in sixth grade next year. And so they will probably be at this event. And yet I will give them the exact Mm -hmm. same spiel that I give everybody else. Uh, but just making sure that parents are informed, making sure they know how to connect with us. Uh, here's our channels of communication that we use on a regular basis and how you guys can get plugged into those. Uh, you know, that's, that's really, really important. Um, and, and pastor Scott is, is also always at that event whenever he can be. And, uh, you know, it's kind of this meeting of graduating youth ministry or graduating kids ministry and incoming youth ministry where we can, uh, start to build those relationships amongst the students and parents can meet me, meet some of our leaders and, uh, start to figure out what those lines of communication are going to be. I feel like the parent piece is an underrated piece that a lot of people miss just because it's one thing for a student to stumble into your ministry and check it out. But, you know, youth ministry, as we've talked about before, is such a different entity. It's complete. It's almost like its own little church within your church. And so when you think about, you know, if you're, if you're experiencing kids ministry with your children is to bring them with you on church, you know, on Sunday with you, drop them off at the check-in station and then go to, for them to, you know, come on a Wednesday night separately to, for them to get emails specifically from you as a youth pastor with different events, it's brand new to them as well. And so I think that, I think you do really well with that as to bring parents in on that because ultimately sixth graders are not, sixth, seventh, eighth graders are not driving on their own. And yep. so if you want yep. them to be a consistent part of your youth ministry, you best believe you need to get parents on board too. Cause they're the ones who are bringing them. 
week in and week out. And so if you're not communicating with them, then that's that's no bueno. And that's even something, you know, I'm I'm having to work with our team is just is just more frequent communication through emails and stuff. But you know, um something that I I do very similar, that crossover event is huge because I don't know how it is for you, but this has been my experience. I have a lot of fifth graders who are in the kids ministry and and love it. They they think it's great, but at the same time, you know, we do K through five in our church. And so because of that, a lot of times they've heard some of the stories there. They're ready for the next step by the time they get into fifth grade. And so here they are with their older siblings or friends or whatever who are, and they see our youth ministry from a distance and they see the crazy games and they see the awesome experiences and they see these moments with God and they go, I want to be a part of that. And so what I like to do is our very last event of the summer or of the school year is in May. We always do a big year-end bash party. I do a quick sermon and then that's kind of our, our spring give night where we, you know, give a bunch of money to, to missions and do all this other great stuff. And we've done it in the past and it has gone so, so well of inviting fifth graders into that event because it's a, it's a, it's a, you know, one, they get to see the excitement of our ministry Two, we're starting from an early age talking about the importance of being generous and giving to missions. And ultimately, uh, after that is when we transition to our summer calendar. And my whole philosophy, my whole rule is after you graduate, you're in essence an incoming sixth grader. And so I invite all of our sixth graders to be a part of our summer events. And so from an administrative standpoint, having them there that last night when we're giving out summer schedules and we're doing all of that is super, super helpful. And they just feel excited for the summer. And, you know, that, that is huge. And, um, you know, a lot of it is just communication with them. You know, Kyle, I really have nothing more to say because pretty much what you said is kind of my philosophy and what we do as well. But, um, which we'll see on the back end as well. When you are on the bookends of getting kids into your ministry, I feel like connections personally are massive you know, mass yeah. emails aren't going to cut it. Uh, social media is not going to cut it. If you want those fifth graders to feel like a part of your ministry, you need to go out of your way, say, hey, we can't wait to have you in here. Like, get, like what do are they interested in? Get to know them. Let them get to know you because ultimately when they walk into your ministry, they're not just coming for the ministry. They're coming because you're there. And so you best believe you need to be investing in that relationship if you want them to stick around. Yeah, absolutely. The relationships, it will be a theme on both sides of this. That's that's really the key to making this all work. The other thing that I'll say on the front end of things uh, with that kids ministry transition, you know, we do for, for our, and this is something that is specific for our church. It might not be the same for other churches, but uh, anything that we do as a youth ministry and a kids ministry throughout the summer, like that crossover events at the beginning of the summer, everything else that we do, though that class of students can't, they can do kids men stuff if they want. They can do youth men stuff. Uh, you know, they could alternate Wednesday nights throughout the summer. Like I'm going to go to kids church this night, but then I'm going to go to the youth ministry this night. Uh, once fall hits and and our youth ministry does our fall kickoff, that's where okay you need to have transitioned into youth ministry at this yeah. point. Um, but there, it we let them fluctuate throughout the summer because kids are going to transition at different speeds, and we want to respect that process. Now, we definitely find that most of them just flip right away to youth ministry, and, yep. and we're excited about that. We want them to do that, but we want to leave the window open a little bit for. Uh, some of those kids that might take those summer months to slowly transition, they're a little bit more apprehensive. And so as they build more relationships with some of our other middle schoolers or with just other kids in their grade that are transitioning up, uh, they will make that transition themselves up to our youth ministry. And uh, we have like, we have our fall retreat that's going to be in uh, one of the first weekends of October. And so that's a great event uh, where those we encourage our sixth graders to be at that event because uh, it's a great way to build relationships and those are going to launch you into youth ministry. If you have an event uh, that is close to the beginning of the year that you can uh, get your sixth graders to, 
that's going to help really help them with that transition as well. Yeah. Uh, another thing that we do as well that has been super, super helpful is to adequately prepare them for youth ministry, get them in the habit of what your youth ministry is all about in kids church. And this is where that communication where you, with your kids, pastor or kids, uh, leader is going to be foundational because for us, what we found is we started putting fifth graders because fifth graders, again, we're K through five. And so naturally a good kids pastor and kids teacher can, you know, speak to all of those great changes. But we found that fifth graders are willing to serve when they are in that kids ministry role. And so what they've done is we started letting them serve on Sunday morning in the kids ministry, whether it's they help lead the game, they help teach the lesson, they help, you know, help kids to whatever they're going to do. And so that way they are now coming into youth ministry with this heart of service, this heart of expectation, this heart of, I am here to, for a purpose. I'm not just here to goof around, just to horse around. Like I'm here very intentionally. And we found instilling those principles in them early. And we don't necessarily tell them that's why they're doing that, but we just naturally put them in a place of leadership. All it's of a sudden, classic bait and switch. Yeah, absolutely. That's what we're all about <laughs> in, in ministry, right? That has been super, super helpful for yeah. us just because they're they're ready, you know, and that, like you said, a vast majority of students are eager to make that switch. And the moment they can, they're in their hook, line and sinker. But there are some that it's uneasy. Transition is hard. You know, it always will be. And again, it goes back to the perception of you as the youth pastor. How can you help ease those tensions? How can you help make that transition for them? And again, getting to know them. I've even had, uh, I've had moments where you want to clear this with mom and dad too, because if not, you're in you're in dangerous territory. But I've had like, hey, can I take you out to lunch? Do you want to go grab, you know, McDonald's or I'll I'll do it with with the the parents too, um, and just because again, a lot of them might feel uneasy because there's so many brand new people that they don't know. Yeah, and so when they can find security in you as the youth pastor all of a sudden now they come in and their walls will down a little bit and they start to make new friends in the process. Yeah, that's absolutely key. Uh, you know, we our our kids ministry does do some some leadership things with with our fifth graders, and uh, if you really want to get next level, we we just recently did kind of a remodel with a bunch of our building here, and one of the things that went into that was you know a new room that they held their kids services in, and a new room we do our youth services in. And one of the intentional decisions we made was the soundboard and the light program that we have and the visuals program all through, well, not lights as much, uh, but the soundboard and the visuals program that we have for our youth services, uh, they use the exact same stuff, maybe just a pared down version in the kids ministry. And so when you, if you have fifth graders in the kids ministry that are interested in helping out and serving, they can serve in the tech booth uh, on Sunday mornings during the kids services. And then when they get into youth ministry, they already have a little bit of familiarity with the same program that our youth are volunteering for our tech team. Yep. And so that it's, it's a seamless way to uh, you know help that transition and cultivate a heart of ser- service uh, in your students. And so that's, uh, that's definitely a good, um, a good idea. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I I know I don't want to belabor this point either, but it might be worth, you know, it might, if, if you're a youth pastor and you're trying to make this a better transition, it might be worth your time to go and have a discussion with the head kids person and just asking them scope and sequence. Like, like, what are you walking your students through? Just because, if, if, if your kid's program is a glorified babysitting class, and I, I would hope it's not, but you know, all of a sudden they step into and they're not ready for a full-on sermon, you got to be prepared for that. You got to be prepared for how you're going to troubleshoot that. And so I highly doubt that is the case because there probably would not be much of a kid's program if that's how it was run. But it, it, would, it would be so helpful to just have conversations as you bridge this gap because... You want to know what 
your students, presumed students, are going to be walking in with with a knowledge base, with a uh, expectations. You just being aware of that, you might not have to do anything differently, but it's it's helpful to know what you're dealing with before they walk in the doors. And that's ultimately what you'd only could find out from your kid's person. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we won't take a whole lot of time on this. I just want to briefly mention for any youth ministries where their middle school and high school are separate, uh, obviously, therefore, you're going to have a transition from middle school to high school. Uh, that's neither Derek nor I uh, you know, work in those contexts, but a lot of these same principles are going to apply, and it's going to be a little bit of a mix-up between what we have talked about. I just absolutely whacked my microphone stand <laughs> with my hand, so I apologize if that came through. Uh, it's going to be a combination of kids men to youth men transition and youth men onward transition. And so just keep that in mind uh, as we uh, you know transition to talking about uh, students graduating from your ministry. Uh, it, that transition in the middle is going to be a little bit of both. Yep. Um, but so when it comes to students transitioning out of your ministry, uh, that, this was actually one of the hardest things for some of I've had some youth leaders, like it, it was really hard for them to wrap their mind around the fact that they have to lose all of their students every seven years, uh, no matter, like they they all graduate and there's yeah. no getting around that. And mm-hmm. so uh, it's 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 a hard thing sometimes to, to say goodbye to a class. And like I said at the beginning of the episode, uh, there's some classes or individual students that it's a little bit easier to say goodbye to. Uh, but it is, um, you know, it's, it's something that, as a youth pastor, you, it, there should be a little bit of excitement when it comes to a graduating class uh, and what's next for them. And so I think the first question that you should be asking is, what's next for those students? Uh, are they going to be working? Are they going to be going to college? Are they going to be none of the above? Uh, are they going to take a gap year and then go to college? Are they going to do a short-term missions experience somewhere? Uh, whatever it is that they are looking at doing, uh, I would say that staying home and working or going to college are two of the, or I guess staying home and going to college. Yeah, but, uh, but college or staying home and working are really your two Those are options. the two biggest options. Yeah. And so... We would encourage youth pastors to have a handoff system for both of those options. And so we'll start with the college one uh, because you have to start somewhere, and that's the one I arbitrarily picked. Naturally. Um, yeah, I w- it's hard because I actually told a student the other day, uh, college has never been worth less than it is right now. And if you don't know why you want to go to college, don't go to college. Uh, but there are some other things that are, it's absolutely a great idea to go to college for. And so, uh, for students that choose that route, um, as a youth pastor, build some relationships with some organizations or, or Christian groups on campuses of some of the predominant colleges that your students go to. Uh, for for me, in my context, there's you know maybe a handful of colleges that I see quite a few students go to. Obviously, you'll get the random kid that decides to go to uh, some Alab- college in Idaho. Yeah, or, yeah, Alabama State Northwestern College University of the Arts. Wow. Uh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> what did you say? Uh- some college in Idaho. Yeah, that's Boise. Can you, can you we'll imagine Boise State? Can you imagine putting the acronym for that college you just mentioned on a sweatshirt? It'd have to like wrap around. Okay, so I have to bring this up because it's hilarious. Well, let me rephrase that. I think it's hilarious. Um, we send out support letters, yeah. or I encourage students to send out support letters yep. to support their mission teams every year. Yep. And so I give them a sample support letter and to kind of go off of, but I don't want them to just copy and paste it. And so in order to ensure that I put stupid, ridiculous stuff in my letter. And oh, so no. let me, let me read to you how our, my sample support letter starts off. Um, greetings. I pray this letter finds you and your family. Well, I'm now a senior in high school and am headed next year to the University of North Southwestern Central Community and Technical College of the Arts and Sciences and Trades and Maths and Tiddlywinks. <laughs> AKA 
U-N-S-W-C-C-T-C-A-S-T-M-T. Of course you did. Uh, <laughs> of <laughs> so, course uh, you did. My fictional person is also de- getting a degree, if anybody's curious, in auctioneering studies with a minor in theme park engineering. Perfect. Uh, and so, <laughs> Multi-talented. Yeah. Uh, you talk about a college acronym that would be tough to get on a sweatshirt. Uh, but I think that you know, wherever students are going for us, like university of Minnesota, you know, that's, that's one of the, like, we are a half hour from the twin cities. Uh, there are some other colleges in the area, uh, especially if they're going to a public university, find a Christian group on campus, a college or not a college, a church that is close to, to that college campus, uh, somebody that you can build a relationship with, you trust how they do ministry. It absolutely does not have to be the same exact denomination as you. Uh, 99% of what we all say is the same and we're all on the same team. Yep. Uh, let's get that past that hurdle Yep, and have somebody that you can hand that student off to where uh, if the student's comfortable with it, you can take their phone number and give it to this person. That person will reach out to them either before or once they get on campus. And and hopefully that student will get plugged in there or they can get them some other options because yeah. they know the area better. You know, finding a way to hand that baton off to somebody that is going to be in the context that your student is going to. Yeah. Uh, so... Kyle and I had a little bit different story going to college. Kyle went to North Central University for his four years. I actually went to a public school for my first year. And so I got to be a part of campus ministry. And it was very, very, very instrumental in my faith walk uh, just because it, it was getting plugged in. There's, there's a few things I learned uh, and now sitting on my side of the desk now as a youth pastor who's trying to help transition students into college ministry Uh, There are a few things I learned. So very practically, uh, a few names to be aware of when it comes to campus ministry, particularly as it pertains to college. Uh, A big one, and a lot of them is Chi Alpha. Um, It's C-H-I, so it looks like a... uh, Chi Alpha. Yeah, yeah, it does. (laughs) And and a lot of people think it's like a fraternity or a sorority. It's not. It's it's just a great, great, almost like a glorified youth ministry. Mm -hmm. Uh, at, on a college campus, that is amazing. Uh, there's Campus Crusaders. Some people call it crew. Uh, C-R-U. Well done. See? Look at I you, bring, I bring the spelling to the yeah. uh, program today. Y- yeah. You, you showed me a spelling game before this podcast, actually. Oh, man. Listen, not, not sponsored, but uh, Wordle uh, has changed youth ministry for the better. Uh, wow. I honestly, it's good to have a game that our students are playing. Yep. I, I don't know about you. I have a ton of students that love playing Wordle and, uh, it's great and encouraging to have a game that our students are obsessed with. One that's clean. That is clean. Yep. Two that is educational. Yep. And, thought. and three that is not time consuming. Yeah. You, right. get, you get one word a day. Yep. Yeah. And instead of them tinkering on their phone in the middle of your message, which has never happened. But outside of <laughs> Kyle and crew, another one is Voyagers, and I'm sure there's a million other things. But I feel like there's a really big one that we're missing. Probably. I'll, I'll look it up yeah. as you talk. Something that we are very, very, very blessed here in Minnesota to have such a fantastic network of people who are passionate about being there for students in every step of their journey, from kids all the way through becoming adults. And Part, there, there's a individual or a group of individuals that has collaborated a list within our denomination of, okay, here are the most common universities in our state. And here's a contact person with a phone number for those particular areas. And that has been so, so helpful because when we have graduating seniors and I find out you're going here, you're going here, I'm giving, I'm getting that person on the phone and saying, Hey, um, I'm giving you this student's number. Please reach out to them. Because if you're on a campus ministry in a college campus, you're eager for that. You're looking for people to come and join your youth ministry or their their ministry. And uh, as Kyle kind of you know wraps up, because I know he's got a few other things he wants to say here, but something we talked about in length is your responsibility as a youth pastor this, this is not a handoff that you need to take lightly. This is a handoff that you need to personally get invested into. So 
take your students out to lunch one-on-one or with a group of them, figure out where they're going, what they want to do with their life, and make sure you continue to establish and make them know. And if you don't believe this, change your belief system, but don't encourage them to go out into the world and establish new connections, but don't just be like completely pulling out of their life, like be a part of their life through this transition. Cause they're going to need some familiarity on the back end as much as they do on the front end. And so with that, something that I have found is very, very helpful. Don't give your students the contact number of the yeah. campus person, give their number with their permission to the campus person because the campus person is going to be hounding them and saying, Hey, when are you here? Like my first day when I showed up to NDSU, I had been in my room for two hours and the campus guy with Kyle had my number and said, Hey, are you in your dorm? And I was like, yeah. He goes, okay, I'm going to come pick you up and grab Oreo shakes. It was, it was huge because he, yeah. he made the effort and he got me there because I probably went to reach out on my own. Yeah, if you have been in youth ministry for like more than a month and you haven't already figured out that students are unreliable when it comes to communication, uh, I don't know what students you have that are so magically <laughs> reliable. We would love some. Yes. Uh, please share. Uh, I Real quick to jump back, uh, Crew and Chi Alpha are two of the biggest the powerhouses. Uh, yeah. You know, power, I, I think InterVarsity was the other one Ooh, that I yep. was thinking mm-hmm. about. Uh, according to their Wikipedia page on 772 campuses, wow. uh, which seems, it sounds impressive. I don't know if it is or not, but it sounds impressive. Uh, but, anyways, uh, the other, so we talked about college a good bit. Uh, the other one would be, um, you know, students that are going to be staying local uh, and either going to college locally or working. Uh, locally. And, you know, really it boils down to, are they leaving or are they staying at home? Uh, If they're staying at home, uh, you know, take a look at what your church is and what your church has. And, And I think the two questions to ask is, you know, does our church have a specific ministry to point our graduating seniors toward? And question number two is, does our church need a ministry to point our graduating seniors toward. Uh, you know, I, I would say that, you know, not, I would argue that not every single church in America needs a young adult ministry specifically. Um, depending on your, like, I don't know where the line is. Uh, this is something that I'm going to ask the question and I'm not going to have the answer to it, but when it comes to, age specific ministry, it has to stop at some point, right? You Mm -hmm. cannot go from kids ministry to youth ministry, to young adult ministry, to young Young families, young married ministry, to young family ministry, to middle-aged family ministry, to parents of youth students ministry, to empty nester ministry, to, to senior ministry. Like at some, like the church body as a whole is intergenerational. So at some point, you know, you do have to enter that intergenerational family, uh, that church body. And so I don't really know uh, where that line is. Um, I've also seen youth, uh, young adult ministry done pretty poorly uh, by people who, A, were not called to it, and B, uh, weren't passionate about it. And, and so then it just kind of floundered, yep. uh, and it was just a poor representation of, of what it was supposed to be. And so I, that being said, you know, I do think that young adult ministry can have its place. And so I don't really have the answer, but having figuring out, I don't have a blanket answer, but I know what our church does. And I know like, you know what your church does. And so take a look at what your church does, what your church has, what your church offers and, and kind of go from there would be, would be my encouragement. I have a few miscellaneous thoughts as it pertains to that. Um, we've talked about this many episodes ago now, but maybe one way to get students or stay, keep students plugged in is to hook them up with your youth ministry as leaders this time though, you know, yeah. and, and as yeah. we've talked about, put them over junior hires. Don't throw them back in with their friends and their, their younger friends in the senior high core my pastor says this all the time and I found it to be so true. When you don't connect, you disconnect. And so the flip side of that is when you get them hooked into your ministry as a leader, you're ensuring that they're staying hooked up to a good, life-giving, amazing church. And so that might be a good spot for them. 
Something else that is very practical that I witnessed and experienced as a college student in Chi Alpha at NDSU, they had a senior night at the end of Chi Alpha where uh, there, there was two senior nights. There was a senior night where they like came and shared their testimony and that was all cool. But there was another night where they prepared them for the real world. It was, it was, it was a conference almost where they taught them how to handle personal budgets, how to go and find a church in their area, where to start, where to look. And it was just a very practical course, if you will, on how to be an adult and a Jesus loving adult. And I think there are, there are some things we could pull out of that as youth pastors of maybe it's, we do a lot of one-on-ones with, with senior hires and, and hearing their dreams. What if we did like a senior event where, um, all right, you know, Hey, let's, you know, bring your computer, bring your tablet, bring your phone. We'll kind of walk you through how you can practically keep your faith. You walk them through the version app and the different plans they can find. You walk them through, you know, where they can locate a church. You, you know, all these very practical things. Um, again, you are helping them transition. You're not just saying, oh, well, you're good enough. Good luck. Uh, it's trying to help them. They don't know what they don't know. They're walking into this just as blind as they did when they walked into youth ministry for the first time. And so, help them create some familiarity, some connection, some resources, uh, because it's not that they don't know that they need to, it's they might not know where to look and you can help them find that. Yeah, absolutely. You might, you probably have more resources than they do. Yeah. And, and so I think it's, it's important to remember that for the rest of their lives, they will not be able to, you know, text you and say, Hey, I'm moving to this city. Can you point me to a church I should go to? You know, at some point they've got to develop the the tools to uh, discern. Uh, you know, should I go to this church or should I look for a different church? Um, but having, I, I like what you're saying, where maybe it's a senior specific event where where you can train them in some of these things, or at least give them the tools is a great idea. Um, you know, those are those are kind of the two paths that pretty much all your students are going to go on. Uh, when it comes to students staying at home, uh, giving them something to do, whether it's in your ministry or a different ministry, uh, might be a really good path. Um, but I think that this is something that is still in the works for me and something that I want to share with our listeners just to get the brain going a little bit. Um, when it comes to students graduating, if you know what you want the ideal graduate to look like from your youth ministry, uh, that's going to help you prepare them for their graduation. And so we've been putting together uh, kind of a list of, okay, what does the ideal graduate look like for us? Uh, you know, being saved, having a personal relationship with Jesus, number one on the list, uh, being baptized, uh, you know, that's, that's one that is on the list for us. Uh, we would love to see our graduates unreliant on others for spiritual disciplines. And what we mean by that is they can read scripture by themselves and get something out of it. It doesn't have to necessarily be spoon fed to them all the time in order for them to learn anything. Uh, they know how to pray by themselves. They know how to worship by themselves. It's not to say that any of those things like you, ha- they should only do it by themselves and they don't want to be a part of a church at all, but they can, uh, if they want to, yeah. um, you know, we want our students to volunteer their time and their talents and have a heart of generosity, uh, you know, give to missions. Uh, they, we want them to have a heart for missions. We want every student that graduates our youth ministry to have been on at least one mission team. Um, and so that's where th- some of those things, it's not a complete list, but if we, if we shape that list to fit what we think students are going to need when they graduate, uh, you know, one of the reasons that I think a lot of students fall away from their faith after they graduate from youth ministry is because they were never taught how to read the Bible. It was always spoon fed to them, right? And it was always I'm I'm intaking on Wednesday night or whenever your youth ministry meets, and then there was no there was no application and there was no teaching and training on how I can read the Bible and get something out of it myself. How do I understand it myself without having my youth pastor teach it to me? 
And so that's why that is one of the big ones on our list is so that we are graduating students that hopefully can do that. And that helps to sustain their faith and and help it to thrive long after they graduate our youth ministry. And so all of these things, if you know what that looks like and you know what it needs to look like in order to launch them well, that's going to help you uh, in up to seven years of youth ministry, pointing them and growing them toward that point. And I think that is very, very, very underrated because you're not just teaching them those things for the next step. That is to carry them through for the rest of their life. You know, we we yeah. hope and we pray that when students leave our youth ministry, they get plugged into a great church and they they grow and they they they, they pick up right where they left off. But the reality is that some of them might go away to college or stay home even and spread their wings and try out some different things and maybe fall away from the faith for a time. But if those core foundational things are still there, if they know, you know, that the Bible is truth and they can pick it up and read it, if they know how to worship, if they know how to pray, even if they fall away, they can come back. And so, you know, as we kind of prepare for this transition, it's not just trying to propel them into young adult ministry or, or college ministry or whatever else. We're not just trying to prepare them for the next step. We're trying to give them the tools that they're going to need for the rest of their life. And we hope that naturally they will pick up different tools and, you know, get better and stronger and all the rest of that stuff as time goes along. But, you know, this is, this is, this is huge, you know, and, and to your point, that helps shape everything, not just the exit strategy, but that helps shape how you plan your year. That helps plan how you do your events, which events you do, which events you don't do. When you start with the end in mind, you can build everything around that. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, as it comes to, we've talked a lot about the front end and the back end, but the reality is that when you are aware of those two bookends, it really helps you develop the core inside the, the six to seven years you have with them. It seems like a lot of time and there are a lot of Wednesdays in that time frame. but as you and I are finding out as we're graduating students all of the time, it goes by real fast real, real, real fast. And so every Wednesday, every conversation, every one-on-one, lean into the Lord, follow what he's calling you to do, but start with the end in mind because that seriously does just pay dividends in the long run. Yeah, if you you know teach a student to fish, they will fish for a lifetime. That's that's kind of the goal right. of of some of these things. If If we can equip them to do it themselves, it's going to greatly increase... Uh, you know, the odds. I, I hate thinking about it as like saying, oh, the odds of them doing this after they graduate, because it makes it sound like it's just completely up to chance. Right. Uh, which, which I don't not. Think, I don't think it is. It's, no. If, if we are pouring into them how we should be pouring into them and we are training them how we should be training them, then, you know, the Bible says, teach them up and train them up in the way they should go. Like that is our goal as youth pastors. Now, uh, you know, I think it's unfortunate that, and and I don't know if we've had this conversation. I know I've had this conversation with our kids pastor before that we have youth pastors and kids pastors have become without question, the primary spiritual teachers in kids' lives. And that is not the way that God designed it to be. Uh, You know, we ideally parents should be the number one uh, spiritual teachers in their kids' lives and youth pastors should be a supplement to that. Yep. I very, very few of parents in churches around the country could you probably say that that's the case. Right. And so that's uh it, it's a unique position to be in and it's a lot of responsibility. It's a lot of weightiness. Um but at the same time, you know, I think for Derek, like it excites us. Yeah. And and it's it's a challenge that we're up for because we're passionate about it. Yeah. And and the hope is that, you know, if that student, whether it's a sixth grader or fifth grader, fourth grader, or whatever it is, the hope is is that, that God they experience God in a really strong, powerful way and they take that home, even if their parents aren't close with Jesus. It challenges them because, you know, you're as a parent, you just get excited about what your kids get excited about. And 
And and that's the hope. But you, you I mean, you nailed it. And and so to come full circle, you know, as you're you're talking about, okay, if this is if this is what we want our ideal graduate to look like, it's the next logical step to go, okay, what do we have to do in our youth ministry to get them there? But I think a subsequent step of that is how can we help equip parents to reinforce this? You know, oh, I, that's good. I, I I know you do a a course where you bring in another youth pastor who's very, very wise and you have like a parenting class or something of that yeah, nature. We do we aim to do two parenting events a year, uh, where the goal is basically just to equip and empower parents to yeah. raise their kids spiritually. Right. Uh, and some of them are more practical on the spiritual side. Some of them are more practical on the uh, just parenting side, right? But uh, like we have one coming up in August that, or September that we're hoping is is a really really big one, and and it's going to be very very practical and very extensive. Some of them are even smaller, where it's just yeah, we're going to bring in another youth pastor in the area that's been doing it longer than I have, and and he or she can talk about this this topic. Yep. Uh, we might bring in a one of the times we brought in a guy that does counseling. And, and he talked cause he, you know, he's really strong faith and, yep. and counseling and kind of brought those two worlds together. And so I think that, uh, equipping and empowering parents in any way that you can is, uh, is also going to, yeah. I mean, it's going to make your whole youth ministry stronger. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's, that's the next level. And you know, that something we haven't talked about in this whole process is, your leaders need to be involved in this too. You know, this is, this is too much for a youth yep. pastor to pioneer on all of it. The front end, the back end, the, the middle. If you are the youth pastor and you are, are trying to just, you know, manhandle of this, for lack of a better word, you're going to burn out really fast. And so, you know, a lot of this comes down to empowering your leaders to do a lot of these same things. Empowering your leaders to do the work of the ministry because it's the more we can put empower everybody around us, the more we can empower others beyond them. So, yeah, that's good. I like it. That, uh, that is how to transition in and out of youth ministry. Yeah. It's how to build a bridge. That is, that is an absolute win. Uh, I thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode. We appreciate it. Give us a follow, a like, a subscribe on Spotify and Apple podcasts. And uh, on behalf of Derek, I think it's about time that we both learn some Zulu. Goodbye.